0: Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Jordan Rubin.
1: And I'm Kimberly Robinson.
0: This is your sneak peek for the week of November 7th. We're talking agency structure, jurisdiction, civil rights, and the Indian Child Welfare Act. But first, Kimberly, can you give us an update on the shadow docket cases we talked about on the last episode?
1: Sure. Well, I'm actually going to give an update on one of them and then talk about two new ones that have come up to the court. So the first one is an update in the... Emergency requests brought by Senator Lindsey Graham, who asked the court to block his grand jury testimony in a Georgia investigation over attempts to overturn President Biden's 2020 election victory in the state. Now, remember that last time we talked, Justice Thomas had entered what's known as an administrative stay, uh, blocking the testimony until the full court could weigh in. So we got an update. Uh, the Supreme, the full Supreme Court did weigh in, and this time they undid Thomas's temporary stay, and they said that Graham had to testify. There was no noted dissent, but the court's one-page order did note that the lower court had already indicated that certain testimony would be protected by the Speech and Debate Clause. That's the clause that protects official works of members of Congress. And importantly, I think, is that the order also noted that Graham could go back to the district court with objections to specific questions. So a pretty narrow ruling, I think, from the Supreme Court. Though, again, there was no noted dissent. And I don't think, though, that this will be the end of the matter. We'll probably be hearing more um, from Senator Graham in the future.
0: Great, so what's going on with the other cases?
1: All right, so there are two new requests that came up to the Supreme Court. Uh, one involves former President Trump's attempts to keep his financial records away from a congressional committee. Uh, if this all sounds like deja vu, that's because the Supreme Court uh, dealt with this issue in Trump versus Mazars, where the justices set out the tests for determining when a congressional committee could seek personal information from the president. Former President Trump is arguing here that Congress hasn't met that standard. Chief Justice Roberts quickly issued another administrative stay in this case, sort of pausing things. And that made a lot of sense because the mandate from the lower court uh, was getting ready to issue. And that would have triggered the release of the documents, which, of course, cannot be pulled back. So, you know, that made a lot of sense. I think there is some concern, though, that these congressional committees are sort of running out of time anticipating that. Um, Republicans are going to take over in after the 2022 20, midterm elections, and you know the ability to seek these documents are really not going to happen. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. And then the last shadow docket thing that I wanted to note was there is another request to halt uh, President Biden's student loan debt relief program. So this is the program that could provide up to twenty thousand dollars for households that. Uh, make 125000 or less, and it's open to uh, about 40 million uh, borrowers, so we're talking a lot of money here. Um, this particular request comes just a couple weeks after another request was rejected by Justice Barrett without even refer- referring it to the full court. Uh, But this one here seems to be uh, a little more meritorious. I think that's at least what legal scholars are saying. Um, This one involves two Indiana borrowers that says the administration went too far and that as a result, they have to pay higher taxes. So this one's also to Justice Barrett. uh, As of this recording on Thursday morning, we haven't gotten an order, but I would expect, as seems to be the court's regular practice now, that we should get an administrative stay. Uh, Who knows?
0: So turning to the cases that are going to be argued the week of November 7th, a lot of eyes are going to be on the midterm elections this week, but for us, it's going to be on the court. What's going to be argued on Monday?
1: Okay, so Monday is a pair of admin law cases, Axion Enterprises versus the Federal Trade Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission versus Cochrane. Now, we've recently seen a string of cases challenging the structure of various federal agencies particularly with regard to the removal of department heads, so think the CFPB, and then sort of challenging the pseudo-judicial functions that these agencies play through administrative law judges and the like. So... From the current court, what we've seen is that citing separation of powers concerns, um, they've said that the executive has to have more power over administrative agencies and their work. And these two cases really continue those line of, of cases. But here, the question isn't actually to the structure of the agency, but instead who gets to decide whether or not the agency is structured or acting in an unconstitutional way. So is it federal courts and in particular district or trial courts, or is it the agencies themselves with review by federal appellate courts? So Let's talk about the first one. Axion deals with an antitrust suit. Axion, who makes body cameras, sought to acquire a competitor, and the FTC attempted tempted to block that acquisition, citing antitrust concerns. Axion then sued in district court, uh, which dismissed the case. It noted that federal law requires that those claims first be made to the agency itself, where, unsurprisingly, Axion claims that the agencies tend to do, quote, outrageously well. The district court went on to say that there weren't any due process concerns because the agency decision can always be appealed to a federal court. The Ninth Circuit agreed in that case, and Axion was the one to ask the justices to weigh in. On the flip side, there's SEC versus Cochrane, which obviously deals with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The agency here filed an administrative proceeding against an accountant, Michelle Cochran, and she was fined and banned from practicing before the SEC for a period of time. The Supreme Court, though, then decided a case called Lucia, which we talked about a lot on this podcast, um, talking about SEC appointments. So Cochran then sued in federal district court, uh, citing these constitutional violations. The district court, similar to the case in Axion, dismissed the suit. But here, the Fifth Circuit reversed and sent the case back to the district court to decide. So it was the SEC here asking the court to intervene. And the justices will hear both cases, though separately, on Monday. uh, Wanted to note, too, that in this case, we've got an all-star lineup. So there are going to be two former Solicitors General, Paul Clement and Greg Garr, arguing against the agencies. And then arguing for them is longtime veteran of the uh, Solicitor General's office, Malcolm Stewart, who is coming up on his 100th argument at the court. So we've seen, I think he'll be the fourth advocate um, in recent terms that's going to actually hit that mark. So, Jordan, together, Clement, Gar, and Stewart, you want to guess how many cases they've argued together?
0: I think legally speaking, it would be a lot.
1: Well, uh, they have argued more than 250 Supreme Court cases among the three of them. So quite a feat. Uh, what's happening on Tuesday.
0: Right. So Tuesday, as I mentioned, that's going to be Election Day for a handful of people. It'll be a different type of day hearing arguments at the Supreme Court. The first one is Mallory against Norfolk Southern Railway. And Kimberly, the question is whether the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause blocks a state from requiring a corporation to consent to personal jurisdiction to do business there. This case was brought by Robert Mallory, a Virginia resident, an employee of Norfolk Southern who got colon cancer. He sued the business in Pennsylvania for exposure to cancer causing chemicals while working for the railroad in Ohio and Virginia. So, what's the Pennsylvania connection? It's that the company had registered to do business there. Mallory says that's good enough that by registering in the state, the company agreed to be sued there. The railroad disagreed, saying the court didn't have jurisdiction. Mallory lost in the state court and appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. He says there's no 14th Amendment problem under the original public meaning of the amendment. Norfolk Southern tells the justices that allowing every state to assert general jurisdiction over every corporation doing business there would gut precedent and be unfair to businesses.
1: Wow, Jordan, that sounds really interesting. It's almost like we should do like a deep dive on that sometime.
0: Well, tune in next week where we just might have that episode for you all.
1: Big promise. Big promise. What else are we hearing on Tuesday?
0: So this is another civil rights case, Health and Hospital Corporation against Telefsky, And this is a federal civil rights case that could have big implications for rights suits as well as Medicaid and other federal programs. So Telefsky was in a government-owned nursing home in Indiana suffering from dementia. The nursing home gave him drugs that made his condition worse. They also moved him to another facility without permission. His family sued under a federal law called the Federal Nursing Home Reform Act. The act sets certain requirements for nursing facilities. Facilities that receive federal funds, including not doing the two things that I mentioned they did to Televsky. Now, you might think that's the end of the matter. They violated his rights. He can sue. But if you're a regular listener of this podcast or have some passing familiarity with the legal system, you might see where this is going. The hospital says because the act is what's called spending clause litigation, it doesn't give rise to enforceable rights under Section 1983, the civil rights law. Teleski points out that Section 1983 allows suits to protect, quote, rights secured by the Constitution and laws, end quote. And spending clause laws are still laws. So how the court resolves this issue could have a really big impact on the ability to bring civil rights suits under Medicaid, Medicare, other social programs. And I should note, Kimberly, that in both cases, that are being argued on Tuesday. They involve the potential to strike down long standing precedents, so these cases could involve some of the latest examples of the court doing that.
1: Well, that's a great segue to Wednesday's case, which isn't really about long standing precedent, but instead a uh, long standing statute. Um, this case is Holland versus Brackeen, which is a challenge to the 1978 Indian Child Welfare Act which was passed to stop the breakup of Native families. Now, we did a deep dive on this with the Cherokee Nation Deputy Attorney General Chrissy Nemo, so check that out for more. But as a, a quick and dirty, the Indian Child Welfare Act, among many things, establishes placement preferences for Native children in the foster system. Now, the challengers here say that the decades-old law is unconstitutional because it discriminates on the basis of race. And it's part of a trio of high-profile cases this term that seek to enforce a race-blind reading of the Constitution. So we're talking about the voting rights case out of Alabama that the court heard in October, and then Monday's affirmative action arguments uh, in this case, though, the tribes say that the law really has nothing to do with race, but instead that the classifications are based on political affiliation, noting that tribes are sovereign nations. So that's what's at issue in this ICLE case. Again, check out our deep dive if you want to know more. Uh, but one thing I wanted to mention about uh, this case was something that Solicitor General Elizabeth Perlager actually brought up during the affirmative action cases. Um, during that case... When she was talking about how important it is to have diversity and for, you know, high profile positions to be representative of the American population, she noted that only two women were arguing at the Supreme Court during the November sitting. If I could, maybe I could just give, a I think, a common sense example of that that I would hope would resonate with this court. The court is going to hear from 27 advocates in this sitting of the oral argument calendar, and two are women, even though women today are 50 percent or more of law school graduates. And I think it would be reasonable for a woman to look at that and wonder, is that a path that's open to me, to be a Supreme Court advocate? Are private clients willing to hire women to argue their Supreme Court cases? When there is that kind of gross disparity in representation, it can matter, and it's common sense. Uh, You know, I noted that there was an all-star cast um, arguing in Monday's cases, but if you look at all the attorneys who are arguing um, in these cases this week, they are all men, and I believe they are all white men. So I think this sort of highlights um, her point and a point that we've been talking about a lot here at um, Bloomberg Law, that, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done when it comes to representation among arguing attorneys.
0: So, Kimberly... What's our next episode gonna be? Or I guess not our next episode.
1: That's right. Um, so listeners have some um, we have some news.
0: Oh, that's right. This will actually be my last Cases and Controversies podcast. Today's my last day at Bloomberg Law. I just wanted to say I've enjoyed it over the years. Thanks, Kimberly, for letting me tag along on the podcast. It's certainly beat working for a living. <laughs>
1: Well, it's great to have you, Jordan. We will, though, here at Bloomberg Law, be back with another episode of Cases and Controversies next week, talking about that Mallory case on corporate jurisdiction. Until then, you can follow along with the latest Supreme Court news at news.bloomberglaw.com.
0: Dot com.
1: An individual's race should not be used to help him or harm him in his life's endeavors.
0: A pair of lawsuits has made its way to the Supreme Court, and the decision could dramatically change just who gets into which college. Bloom is effectively using the Asian community as pawns. Every lawsuit needs a villain. To mask an anti-Black and anti-Latino agenda.
1: Does this demoralize me? No, it doesn't demoralize me.
0: This season on Uncommon Law, we'll explore the arguments and the people driving this latest battle
1: over affirmative action.
0: Can the Constitution be used to remedy society's ills?
1: I'm the only person in class who has to raise my hand and say, "Okay, well, actually, here's how this affects people that look like me.
0: Does the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause prohibit all discrimination based on race? You let somebody in because of their race, you're keeping somebody else out because of their race. There might have been two or three Latinos, including me. And so somehow that's too much, somehow that goes too far. It's hard not to take that very personally. Coming October 25th, part one of a three-part series on affirmative action.
1: What's being decided is whether black and brown people are going to be excluded in significant numbers.
0: Only on Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Industry Group.